Peter King, legendary NFL writer, sports writer, and current Monday Morning in America columnist for uh, Pro Football Talk and the NFL on NBC. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, taping this on a Wednesday evening. Josh Ward, nine nine one, the animal. Josh and Swain is here. He has been just spending all of his free time grinding the 49ers tape for the last couple of years because his nine is Raiders rather are entering the Jimmy Garoppolo zone. So it's a, it's a new era. Uh, Josh, are you excited about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo time in, in Vegas? Well, the team's a lot better looking. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the fan base is going to spread out over demographics more. Uh, I like Jimmy G. I, I think he's been a solid quarterback who has clearly had the respect of his teammates. What's the ceiling? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's as high as other guys that have been starters for the last five plus years in the league and there's the injury concern he's had a number of injuries but he is a veteran who his teammates i think will kind of rally around with him coming in and they maybe need that as Derek carr has been there for so long you want somebody to come in and be trusted so yeah i'm excited yeah i think it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting time in vegas i mean i nothing would surprise me with them darren waller just out the building do we know if it was because of a wedding invite situation <laughs> like it's just n- nothing is ever normal yeah. with the las vegas raiders no, there's always some kind of storyline but yeah he speaking of injuries he's dealt with mm-hmm. them so yeah guys come and go more quickly than we ever expect in the nfl that's the nature of the business there you go um a couple co-workers though max crosby uh co-worker here at blue wire he's uh with the raiders a lot of fun there darren waller yeah. also has his own show but he's not a raider anymore but uh yeah no very pro Ra- raiders on this podcast um josh i want to pick your brain before i pick uh, i guess i'm gonna say pick your brain way too many times on this podcast um before we talk at uh vols fau because i feel like you've had to you've had to talk about that a lot this week uh on josh and swings that go uh the folks should go check out if they're not already um for all my lo- local knoxvillians who listen to this but um spring practice got underway for tennessee football and i wonder from your perspective what do you think is the most important slash intriguing position battle this spring which is how much depth is now on this roster what do you think is the most important i think it's in the secondary because Hmm. tennessee signed a lot of defensive backs guys that are talented guys that have speed for a reason tennessee Mm -hmm. needs to upgrade in the secondary and maybe that upgrade happens by players coming back and improving Mm -hmm. new players coming in will compete they're talented and they're going to push for playing time but this isn't a situation where Tennessee has nobody available, so guys that sign play because Mm -hmm. they have to. 
there are a lot of bodies back there in the defensive backfield and some guys that can play in different positions like Danico Slaughter coming back can play corner, line him up at safety, star. Uh, you have Warren Burrell, who was a starter, needed to play better, I think, mm. a lot of the time, but also had the trust of the coaches, but then he suffers an injury and is out for the second half of this past season. He'll be back with a chance to regain his starting position. So it, it's not one player versus another. To me, it's this entire group of defensive backs with young players coming in like Matthews out of Baton Rouge and Gibson and John Slaughter. So you have mm. you could have two slaughters out there on the field in the secondary, which would be great for NIL. But mm. John Slaughter was not as highly touted as like a Jordan Matthews or uh, you know even Christian Conner, depending on which service. As you know, some had him as the top player in the state of Kentucky, mm. but Slaughter's a guy that got talked about very quickly after he he arrived for bowl practice in December. So the competition there is to me the biggest deal. They needed more of that on defense, especially in the defensive backfield. And that should make them better. Yeah, I I wonder too because I was I was watching the po- like the I don't want to call him a post game presser, but just watching y'all put up uh, 91 the animal the different interviews uh, the post I guess post practice pressers, which is yeah. a, a fun alliteration there. Um, Matthews is just like the most polished of the bunch where it's like he talks like a pro like that guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jordan Matthews does not talk like a true freshman who should still be in high school right now like that's really where he should be at this moment like in our lives a normal uh a normal kid's life like you're just uh getting ready to graduate high school and he just he talks like a pro like he just talks like a seven-year vet the way he's cool calm collected and his answers I don't know I just I was kind of blown away by Jordan Matthews yeah, and uh, we have to be careful sometimes, but there might be a connection to if he looks comfortable. He's he's yeah. been around the game for a long time. Mm. He had he he probably had the fanciest commitment video of everybody in this mm. class. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but uh, when he did the the surprise announcement to a lot of people, where Texas was pretty fancy. The time. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of. Re- I, I always remove Nico from conversation. Yeah. Like there's <laughs> Nico, and then there's the rest of the class. Yeah. With all due respect to everybody, mm-hmm. but uh, but Jordan had he had a uh, he had some production value mm-hmm. and a surprise element. So you know, part of that is the maybe that's the mentality of a corner. You got to be. Mm-hmm. You have to be confident out there. You are not going to win battles, and when you when you lose a battle on on defense, especially in the secondary, you get talked about and pointed at. So. I don't know. Maybe that's going to help him. What also helps is that he's talented. He's yeah. a well-thought-of player out of Baton Rouge. So he, he decides not to go to LSU, decides not to go to Texas. They really wanted him, both schools. And those are schools that recruit the best of the best talent and athletes. And that's a that's a reminder of what Tennessee was trying to do. Somebody like Matthews or Ricky Gibson late. Mm. Georgia was pushing for him. Conyer was coveted by Kentucky. You might think, well, Kentucky. But Kentucky wants to hold on to its top in-state talent. So – Schools that Tennessee will go up against, Tennessee beat them out. But uh, yeah, Matthews, maybe that's a, a sign that he can pick things up and he'll he'll be comfortable in that role because he has to compete and he has to be ready to play in the SEC because you're going to face the best receivers in the country. That kid just got star written all over him. I would just not be surprised if I debated anybody out of the secondary. It's probably Matthews um, to pop the the earliest. But I I also will say the the defensive line. I think is super fascinating this spring because like everything you read and listen to is like James Pierce got a yeah. lot bigger. And then you look at I mean, Cale Pairing, who is huge. <laughs> Watch yeah, him. Like, yeah. another guy where I'm like, I, he's pretty talented. Like, are they going to rotate? Is he going to get in the rotation? Um, there's some opportunities with Byron Young out the door and Tyler Barron just kind of banged up, and we'll see what he looks like this fall. But he's been around for a long time. I mean, he 
almost entered the portal, right? Like last year, that feels like forever ago. He did last year for about a day. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was one of the quickest portal <laughs> entries and exits of the. He, he may have set the record. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but then you have Joshua Josephs. Like, there's a lot of intriguing on town. Obviously, ancient Davian Bradley coming in, and then Omar Norman Lott, and like, I just. I'm very curious to see what the rotation looks like for for the defensive line this spring. Yeah, Herring is intriguing. You mentioned Mm -hmm. him because he's added weight pretty quickly, I think, since he arrived, and he's a terrific athlete, uh, one of the top players in the state, and he's coming in to try to push those guys from last year's class. Like I I like Josephs a lot, and Mm -hmm. staff appeared to as well because he continued to get some playing time last year. Mm -hmm. We talked about on our radio show – uh, it's Josh Heupel's birthday this week. What gift mm. would you give him? And I said I'd give him a light bulb to be able to flip the switch for Josephs and James Pierce because they have mm. obvious talent. And as second-year players, you often look at that year one to year two jump, and if they could get a big jump out of Josephs and Pierce and still have somebody like Herring who can come on and Roman Harrison is back, you can maybe build out more depth of pass rushers on this defense. Because if Tennessee is better on the edge – and is better in the secondary, the defense is going to be better. And the defense is pretty good at being opportunistic and making plays. If they do more of that, but they're consistently better, well, then Tennessee's football team could be better. And, yeah, the offense has a lot to replace, so that's a part of the equation. But if this defense is better, and I thought last year was underrated, South Carolina game was awful. So then Mm. remove that again. But uh, everything else over the course of the season, Tennessee's defense was actually better than I expected. Now they might be better personnel-wise which would, would be a big help in moving forward. I agree. Um, transfer you think the Vols will love the most this fall? What's your early guess on this? Well, uh, depends on what you're kind of into, but you know, my mm. first my first guess here is Dante Thornton because mm. of his skill set. He was a big play guy at Oregon, averaging more than 21 yards per catch last year. 6'5", 200-pound receiver. He's going to look the part walking out on the field. Do you see him standing next to Squirrel this week? <laughs> there's a difference. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, this this offense is it's pretty receiver-friendly, if mm-hmm. you've noticed it the last couple of years. So I think fans are going to love seeing what he can do, but it's also going to be spread out in this offense. Squirrel's going to have his opportunity, Ramel Keaton. Drew McCoy, they're gonna they're gonna do some things, but in terms of big playability with Hyatt gone, Thornton is somebody that can help uh, replace there. Um, most important though, you know, so like who who do you love the most, or who ends up being the most important? There's several guys that are candidates there. I think mm-hmm. John Campbell coming from Miami is really important at tackle because Darnell Wright last year was arguably the most important player in the jump that Tennessee was able to make because of how good he was and how much better the offensive was, offensive line was at protecting the quarterback. And they were near the bottom in the SEC mm-hmm. in 2021 in sacks allowed and made a big jump, uh, a lot to do with Darnell Wright becoming a first-round pick, it looks like, in the NFL draft. So Campbell for Miami and then on defense, both guys from BYU, I, you know, Keenan Peely at linebacker, they need to be better at that position. They have guys to replace so he's an, a much older guy that comes in with a lot of experience. And then Judy Lolly, he's a part of that just overall conversation in the secondary. He's a veteran who was at Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. went to BYU last year, and now is at Tennessee. And he's going to push. He's coming in to start. That, that's mm-hmm. his plan. He's not coming in. It, like His goal is to get to the NFL. He wants to play well at Tennessee on a big stage in the SEC and go to the NFL. So he's not thinking, yeah, I could be a, a nice reserve DB. So having him come in, I think is really valuable to the other players as well. So now I've just started to list all the transfers. So I'll say I say fans will be most excited about Thornton, and he'll maybe make the biggest quote splash. 
but those other guys are all really valuable. I think it might be a lot. Like that's I think like I listened to Dante Thornton sure. with Austin Price on the Vol Club the last week, and he was just like he's a workhorse. Like he's just he doesn't stop. Like he's always working seven days a week. Where I'm like, oh, yeah. this dude might be just a, a machine with Rodney Gardner this year. Like I Tennessee fans have been dying for a consistent pass rush and if omar norman lott is just wrecking havoc uh inside and kind of in a way matthew butler t- kind of takes that matthew butler role for tennessee this year even if it's one year i i feel like there's some un he's one to monitor yeah he he absolutely deserves a mention so you're right mm-hmm. to bring him up too because you need a lot of guys there and uh you have byron young who's gone and mm-hmm. latrell bumpus has been uh he was a valuable player for Tennessee, a leader on the defensive line, and he's gone. And uh, competition applies to the defensive line just like every position group, but rotation applies there more than any position group, mm-hmm. I would argue. You you just have to have a lot of guys that are ready to play a lot of snaps, and you also have to plan for injury that's going to occur. Like You want, de- you want depth on the offensive line, but you're not rotating through the offensive yeah. line. You are on the defensive line. So uh, Norman Lott coming in is really important for Tennessee too. Yeah, I uh, I'm excited no matter what. Uh, ball position coach under the most pressure going into this year is who? Well, uh, I guess when you you have to take over the tight ends position, hmm. and you're also replacing the OC who handled that spot in Alex Golish. So uh, I would probably go there because you're also yeah, that's the position where uh, yeah I guess they're I guess they're most thin at least going in. I mean they bring hmm. back Jacob Warren. Um, and we'll see what Castles is able to do, and we'll see who else can step up. And they have a talented freshman who's going to be a part of the group, but it's still the biggest unknown. And Princeton Fant was a, a big mm-hmm. player there, so uh, that that to me would be the spot where there's the most pressure. I mean, I can't like may, maybe Joey Halsley, the quarterbacks mm-hmm. coach, because he's also becoming the OC, and there's pressure to keep things going there with the quarterback position. But some of that pressure is also on Josh Heupel. And I also have a benefit of the doubt that I'm giving that that's going to work out. So, um, you know, this, the secondary too. Uh, I'm just I'm kind of running through candidates in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, l- literally, maybe there's some pressure because Willie Martinez has a contract that runs out yeah. at the end of the season, and they do need the secondary to play better. They need to be more consistent at corner. So that might actually be the answer. Uh, is is Willie Martinez as good as he's been and as much of a, a veteran as he is? If we're just talking about this year, the 2023 season, it's probably Willie Martinez in the secondary just because of the the contract, which which can make an obvious uh, pressure point and then the need to be better there uh, as opposed to some other positions. He's just such an ace recruiter. Like Willie is, I think, top 10 recruiter on 247 right now uh, nationally. Like you look at the talent, like Jordan Matthews, you talked about Ricky Gibson, Christian Conyer, like he he's brought in a lot of talent i just feel like he deserves a pass for what he was working with especially the injuries down the stretch last year and having to move guys around it's like you're playing safety this week you're playing corner next week i don't know the fans who are up on uh, willie martinez i just i'm like i think he's more safe than like glenn ellerby is my number one here where it's like all right we're gonna keep develop like darnell Wright, like you said is out darnell rate's gone we're now getting to the point where they're gonna be hypo's offensive linemen and we're gonna be at a point where there's no five stars anywhere on this offensive line. It's not going to be the Jeremy Pruitt all five stars across the offensive line that they're going to talk about in the Georgia-Tennessee game, where it's like only five stars for Tennessee. That's a big thing across the board. He's betting on developing. He's betting on winning in the portal with the Gerald Mincy's and the John Campbells of the world. Mm -hmm. We're going to see if that pays off. Like I, I, I think Glenn Ellerby, for me, has the most pressure on him because if those tackles are bad this year, 
Joe Milton's not moving around in the pocket. Joe Milton's taking some sacks. He's not doing what Hendon's able to do behind maybe some suspect offensive line play. It can get ugly in a hurry. Like, that's the one I have circled. Well, if Darnell's the most difficult player to replace, then the pressure can come back to the offensive line coach to Mm. help replace him. I I think Ellerby's really good. I think he's a really good coach. And you are correct. There's no physical replacement for Darnell, like expecting Mm. Campbell or Mincy or Crawford to play like Darnell. Darnell is a freak Mm. at at his size to move the way that he does. He did not come in and make a five-star impact on the field early in his time, but he's even said, yeah, I kind of just, I survived on athleticism. Mm -hmm. There aren't many people that can survive on athleticism playing on the offensive line in the SEC. So that in itself is a statement, but then Ellerby, I think played a big role in, in Wright put in the work to become what he is now where he, he's a coveted tackle in the NFL. So expecting that out of Campbell or or Mincy or anybody else would be unfair. Campbell has played a lot, and he's a well-thought-of mm-hmm. player coming in from Miami. So I, I think with this offense and the system and the communication between Heupel and Ellerby and Halsley with the amount of time they've worked together, I, just, I think they'll get that figured out. Um, and choosing Willie Martinez doesn't seem fair because he's a veteran defensive backs coach who's been so respected. And you think about Cam Sutton, who just got his new big contract with the Detroit Lions. He came in to Tennessee and and played under Willie Martinez Mm -hmm. and and talked about how he was good for young defensive backs. So Mm -hmm. his veteran voice with this group that is competing, I think it's of value to Tennessee. I would agree. But um, pressure has to be placed on somebody in this this question. So Mm. uh, I would just... Uh, the, the offense, I, th- I think the weight of it comes back to Josh Heupel because it's his offense. Defense kind of gets spread around, and the secondary, I think, is where a lot of people are pointing right now. Uh, we'll wrap up with basketball. What do you what do you think ultimately happens against FAU on Thursday night? I think Tennessee wins. I think Tennessee's okay. better. The, the fear, which is a natural part of the conversation when you get to this point in the tournament, is... FAU hits a bunch of shots from the outside mm. and Tennessee misses a bunch of shots because that's been a problem at times too. But I think Tennessee uh, is is the better team from a talent standpoint. The way that they're locked in, their ability to defend on the perimeter, and re- rebounding the basketball is going to be really important. No second chance shots for FAU. That's going to really matter. But I think Tennessee carries over. There, there's been all this talk from the Duke game, everything that's been said nationally and and the defense that's kind of been put up uh, figuratively, I guess, and then literally mm-hmm. on the court. So that'll provide some motivation. I think that only goes so far. Both teams are motivated. It's the Sweet mm-hmm. 16. They're trying to get to the Elite Eight, and they're trying to go. Yeah, but both probably consider themselves underdogs. But I think Tennessee's better. I think Tennessee, with the preparation, as long as it avoids mistakes, turnovers have been costly, missed shots have been costly, yeah, that matters for everybody. The FAU saying the same thing. Hey, if we can't hit shots, we're not going to win. You know, mm-hmm. so that applies both ways. I think Tennessee will be locked in again defensively, and I think Tennessee will move on. Next round is going to be tough, whether you're playing Michigan State or Kansas State. Uh, that that's going to be really difficult for different reasons. But worry about that if you get there. First things first, you have to be locked in. Tennessee can't let up. I don't think it'll happen. But if if Tennessee lets up, FAU is good enough to win the game. Should Tennessee fans feel good about this season, no matter what happens on Thursday night? That is a tricky question. My thought last week was, mm-hmm. if Tennessee gets to the Sweet 16, successful year. Yeah. And I said, that won't be everybody, but I think most will think that. Mm-hmm. And I still think that's probably true because getting to the Sweet 16 
is a pretty big deal. It's happened mm-hmm. nine times in Tennessee's history. And a lot of fans didn't expect it a week ago. So for it to happen and to beat Duke to get there, I think is a, a really big deal for fans. But it also will be easy if Tennessee loses to FAU to say, yeah, but we turned around and lost to Florida Atlantic. So mm-hmm. my answer is yes, that this is a successful year. Considering the injuries that they had to battle through in the regular season and losing Zakai, that getting to the Sweet 16 and beating Duke and having that kind of performance is something that fans will forever be able to talk about. And there might be some fans that right now agree, and then if Tennessee loses, we'll disagree. So mm-hmm. that's that's another reason that winning this game is so important because there's no question. If Tennessee wins this game and gets to its second Elite Eight ever, this is a tremendous season. And it'd be one where it would have a, a frustrating memory from the regular season, but fans would wipe it away and say, remember how we went to the Elite Eight. And the, you know, the last team that went to the Elite Eight was not expected to go there. It was a six seed that mm-hmm. made it. So there, there's something about being unexpected for Tennessee in the tournament and turning around and doing something with it. I'm just terrified about Tennessee-Bama in a Final Four matchup. Yeah, should be. Uh, that because week, Bama, a talking point. Oh, Bama's my terrific. God. I, but I, uh, I'll welcome it as a radio show host because... Yeah. My Will you, Josh? Are you sure? Are you sure you want yeah. those calls? Are you that, sure you want that, Knoxville when we get Knoxville-Alabama in this kind of matchup? Are we sure yeah. we want this? The, Tennessee-Alabama. Uh, Josh no Ward just wants yeah. to watch the world burn. I never no pegged you as a joker guy. Yeah. Hey, what? But if you win the game, like think mm-hmm. about, the, I was because I was telling uh, Swain on the radio, I was like, hey, you, what if you can get Alabama in the SEC tournament and then match up with them in the NCAA tournament? It's a chance mm-hmm. to to sweep. And Swain's like, yeah, hey, I'm good there. Mm-hmm. But you know, if Tennessee could win again, you beat them in football and and, sweep, and sweep them in basketball, fans would take that one forever. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, t- t- take your shot. But Tennessee fans probably just pulling for San Diego State to knock out Alabama, and you never have to worry about that. How many Twitter videos do we see of just fan interactions of Tennessee and Alabama fans going? Uh, I just the discourse in the game or in in jail together. Which one? Oh my god, <laughs> there's yeah. just so many. Like I'm just ready for it's going to be a nightmare. My group text with the family group text is going to be a nightmare. It's uh, I, I just I'm not ready for it, Josh. But that's a real possibility. I think Tennessee's making the Final Four. Like I I think they're going to make it through, and I don't think Alabama's losing either. And if we're on a collision course, just the ratings. And it's gonna huh. be must see television if we we do get that rematch, even without without Zakai this time. Yeah, it'd be incredible, and you'd be fearful of having to play the game without Zakai. But they beat Alabama earlier this season without yeah. Julian Phillips and Josiah, so True. that was a game we're going in. It's like, oh, well, Tennessee's not at full strength; probably just not going to win the game. And I like Tennessee's chances going into that game. And if if they play in the Sweet Sixteen again, or sorry, the Final Four again, uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna lean toward Alabama winning that game. Mm. but Tennessee's going to have a real shot. If Tennessee's in the Final Four, Tennessee is a title contender. They're, they're not going to be one of those teams where you're like, well, good for them, but they can't win two more. If mm. Tennessee like Tennessee can win the title. Tennessee can win the national title. It also could lose in the Sweet 16, but there are a number of teams that that applies to. Arizona could have gone to the Final Four, lost to Princeton. So, mm. you know, that's the that's the beauty and the uh, the heartache of this tournament. The, the the tournament is this tournament is not the best way to crown a champion if you're looking to find the best team, but it's the most entertaining and it is the most uh, it, it opens up the most opportunity. Other sports only have so many teams that can realistically win the title. Mm-hmm. This year we heard over and over again, a bunch of teams can win it, and I think that is true. Well, into here, Josh, your best dad joke that's been a hit in the Josh Ward household of late it was what. Huh, that's a good one. Um, so this I've I was I'll get, I can give you a couple probably. Okay. Uh, th- this I was accused of. I've repeated it too many okay. times. This is a personal favorite. It's not the best, mm-hmm. but 
Um, why does a coffee drinker have a difficult time getting a date? Oh no! Why? Because he has an ugly mug. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty good, right? I, mean, I think it's good. really good. I like yeah. that. That's pretty good. Uh, this one got mixed reviews, so I'll just—I think it's good. So uh, this uh-huh. is off the top of my head. This is a, a recent one. Um, where do you take someone who suffers an injury in a peekaboo game? Where do you take them, Josh? To the ICU. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll finish with a classic. Why did the Scarecrow win an award? Why? Because he was outstanding in his field. Oh no. Yep. Oh. Oh no. Yep. Oh, that was great. That was yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, we were we were gifted a uh, a, a book for our show mm-hmm. this week. It was titled "Bad Dad Jokes," and I said, uh-huh. "Well, it's, it's there's a misprint. There's no such thing as bad dad jokes." So, mm-hmm. there, you go. Uh, there there are never enough, in my opinion. I I so, love that. Thanks for humoring me. Oh no, those are good. I like those. I need to take them down. You never know. I might need those one day. Yeah, uh, keep, keep them handy. Yeah, you can never have too many. You can never have too many. Josh Ward, uh, what do you want to plug here? Uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, uh, wow, Swain, Josh and Swain. I was about to say Swain and Josh. Josh and Swain, 991 Yeah, the Swain animal. did that. He, he, we were talking about we need to get some mugs printed. He said, yeah, yeah. we can put uh, Swain, Swain and Josh mugs. So he's, he was putting his name first. So, you know, wide receiver. He, he'll be happy to do that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, appreciate it. 12 to 3 mm-hmm. Eastern time, Monday through Friday. Uh, we have Josh and Swain on the Sports Animal, and we have a lot of fun. Swain has a lot of insight as a former player at Tennessee. Uh, so we have a lot of fun. We have the Josh and Swain newsletter as well that we've mm-hmm. started up here in the last month. So I'll plug that if you don't mind. Joshandswain.com. Subscribe. It's weekly, and it's not going to flood your inbox. So we do it at the end of the week to kind of wrap things up. So uh, anywhere you want to listen to us, you can find us. And it's on YouTube. You, it's a live stream every day. It's, it's good. I have it on the yeah. background. It's a, it's, I like yeah, the live you. stream. I like the live video stream. Yeah, we kind of behind the scenes, Swain and I, and Swain had a lot of the vision for it. We mm. put the the little studio together ourselves, so it's just us in there hanging out, having a good time. So, chance for people to watch and or listen. Uh, I've heard for years have a face for radio, so uh, face face for <laughs> radio here. and the and the internet now. So we we get to have fun, audio, video, all of it. We're all of it now, man. Like, who would yeah. have thought in journalism school? They're like, you're going to actually do everything now. It's just, you, you can't run from video. People want to see your face for whatever reason when you're talking. Yeah, well, the, the internet was still pre- pretty new when I was in journalism school. Yeah. So it, it's come a long way. There you go. Josh Ward, thank you as always. And uh, I'll have to talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves. And I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. 
Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.